0: Let's get off together. Well, good, happy Monday morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast from sloppy New York City. We are having one of the top 10 snowiest Februarys on record, and I think that the rest of the country can really resonate with the fact that this is a pain in the fucking ass, um, but I can't even remotely begin to express all of the love that I have for everybody that's living in Texas and has experienced the the catastrophic weather over the last week I mean truly I'm just sending all of my love to all of you and I hope that you're returning to some semblance of normalcy I mean I don't even know what did that what does that look like these days I just wanted to I wanted to just start this morning with that um you know for all of what I see as a minor inconvenience um can be really catastrophic in a place that's not, that's not prepared to deal with this kind of thing. And, you know, we can all stand to take a moment to really think about, you know, our blessings in life. And I, and I, it's really made me take a closer look at how much I take for granted things like heat and hot water. I mean, even in New York, I bitch, I bitch all the time about my, my steam heat. I have steam heat in my apartment. It's 80 degrees in here year-round, and you don't realize how much you take that for granted. Like, how when you live in a place that's set up to have something like that, how much you take it for granted in, in snowy Februaries. I mean, really, you really do. So sending all of my love to people in parts of the country where there are things like pipes bursting and... You know, the weather is really catastrophic for a lot of people, for all of you. I mean, really, I wanted to truly send my my well wishes that all of you will be getting back to normal really, really soon. And today's episode of the Get the Fuck Off podcast, I actually was inspired because I saw a friend of mine on Facebook shared an article from The Atlantic about the value of working through illness. So this podcast episode is actually all about values and where do our values come from and what do they really mean to us? So there's this value in America of working through illness and this woman was writing about how her daughter hasn't even had a cold this year, not at all. But in the past there was always this idea of like whether or not you send your kids to school sick and what—and there's even these these guides and regulations as to why we would send kids to school sick. We would send them to school if they have a sniffle but not a fever or we would send them to school for for whatever reason. If they weren't in a in a position where they had a high fever or they didn't have I forget what all the criteria is. I don't have kids. Admittedly, I don't have kids. Um then it, parents would send school, kids to school sick. People, I went to school sick like when I was younger. I never went to school sick if I had a fever or if I had diarrhea or something like that, but if I just had a sniffle, yeah, I went to school sick, absolutely. And the article kind of focused on the fact that you know there are kids that have asthma and different and are immunocompromised and parents sending their kids to school sick do put those other kids at risk and for in COVID, COVID times for the first time we had to really focus on okay like if we send our kids to school sick it's a possibility that somebody's death will result whereas before you know somebody might end up gravely ill but it was not as much of a risk that somebody might end up dead so we don't we don't do that now um and we're not, we're not sending kids to school sick, but what happened at the beginning of COVID, the article was talking about how in April of 2020, there was the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, and that mandated families to have access to paid sick leave if they were supporting somebody that became ill with COVID, such as a parent to a child, or if they was a caregiver or something like that. And that expired. And now, excluding emergency uh, provisions, only 13 states in Washington, D.C. have this paid sick time for this. So parents are often in this position where they have to decide decide whether they're going to stay home with their sick child and they're going to lose pay or they're going to send their child to school sick. But what the article talked about was this broader pro- um, problem with American culture where we have this value on productivity. And it specifically said that the words pushing yourself, soldiering through illness in, in, in work. And that we teach, we teach that from very young. And how do we know we teach it? I was, I was a part of this. When I, when I was working at uh, the last traditional job I had, I was a part of this. I went to work sick. I could count on one hand how many times I have called out of work sick in the last 13 years. And I, I know I have been sick more (laughs) than five times in the last 13 years, but I can count on my one hand. Once was food poisoning think once was strep throat I don't get sick very often um blessed blessed that I don't but that I were but I did work through being sick I worked through being very sick a lot I mean even if you get sick two to three times a year I mean in 10 years that's 30 times that you went to school sick and I myself have not had a cold in the last year now, wearing masks is effective, so that probably has a lot to do with it, but also I just haven't been around a lot of sick people, whereas before I was around sick people all the time. Even having the ironclad immune system that I had, I did get sick from time to time. I got colds. People did that. People, people got colds because they were around people with colds, because a cold is what? A coronavirus, which as we've found out over the last year, spreads really quickly. That's a thing. Um, People have basic immunity, but yeah, you're going to get, you can get a little run down, you know, that cold can take hold. And, you know, even if you don't exhibit symptoms of a coronavirus, you can spread that coronavirus to other people as well. We've learned over the last year. Imagine that. But I had the value that working with, working sick was important. And I not only embodied this value that I had to go to work sick, I got blatantly pissed off. When other people didn't come to work sick, if other people decided that they weren't going to come to work because they were sick, I got pissed at them. Fuck you. How dare you not come to work sick? How dare you make extra work for me? And that, that wasn't as much a problem with me or the person that was sick. It was more, you know, that was more about the people that were in charge of delegating those people's responsibility to someone else. And it wasn't about, you know, making sure that there was somebody else to do those responsibilities. It was more like, hey, Andy, you do the responsibilities. (laughs) It wasn't always great. To discourage. This is why, this is why, this was all a system in place to discourage people from not calling out of work sick. People – don't do that in American culture we have this broad problem with the fact that we value productivity above all else above your well-being above your health above your mental health above everything you need to be productive it's a problem it's a problem and I'm going to tell you something about values guys values are fucking made up they're completely made up and they often come from somewhere outside of you. So in this case of productivity, this is an American value that comes from somewhere outside of you. And I, I noticed this very early on. You know what I noticed this, believe it or not? It was when I was studying overseas back in 2007. I was young. 21 years old I was studying film radio and television over in London and I did an internship there because at the time I thought I wanted to work in television and honestly like it was great. I mean learning about that stuff was great anyway you slice it. I was living over there and I was sleeping with this guy and I still to this day don't really know what he did. Um, I think that eventually I figured out that he did something with aviation insurance. <laughs> I haven't talked to this guy in like fucking 15 years or however – how long ago was 2007? Longer? I don't remember. Um, This guy – but I remember we had gone on a few dates and it was, it was great and I asked him but I asked immediately, what do you do? That was the first question that I asked and he didn't answer me. I think he blew it off and we ended up talking about something else and then when we were on our second or third date and I asked again, so what do you do? And he was like, what is up with Americans asking what do you do? Who cares? Like who really cares about what you do for a living but Americans ask that. You'll notice Europeans don't ask that. Not as much. There's not as much of an emphasis but Americans they ask that. You'll see it the most on, this is why I can't be on dating apps because you get on a dating app, you know, here, here I am with my cobweb celibacy. You get on a dating app and what's the first question that somebody asks you? So what do you do? Who cares what I do? Who cares? What do you do? Fuck you. Who cares? What does it have anything to do with who I am? It does though. To Americans, it does. That's a value. You being a useful person, you being a productive person, you being a person that contributes, that's a value and it's made up. It's completely made up. And if you are placing that value over your well-being, you are doing the disservice to yourself. Here's another example of a value. My mother has this value and so do I. I have, I've worked really hard on this. This is something that, This is something that bothers me a lot about myself. My mother is what we call, what she likes to call honest to a fault. My mom can't tell a lie. It's very, and you know what, it's very hard for me to tell a lie. It's very hard for me to even fib. My mother would not tell my friends when I was young, when they called the house to talk to me because you had to call landlines because I'm from the, you know, I'm a I'm old <laughs> you had to call landlines my mother would not tell my friends that I was not home and I had a friend who called the house like four times four five sometimes eight times a day she just got bored and she would call the house and if my mother answered my mother wouldn't tell her. I had to be the one to tell her that I just didn't want to talk my mother couldn't just say I wasn't there and then she would she would stop calling but my mother wouldn't even do that so my mother my mother won't lie. And I don't, I don't know how much she'll appreciate me telling this story. But one time there was a she, – she was applying for some life insurance policy. My mother was never a smoker, never. I smoked my whole life, 18 years, smoking away, packing two a day. My mother is not a smoker. She does not smoke. She never smoked. Applying for this life insurance policy and it asked, have you ever even smoked one cigarette? Oh, yeah, everybody's probably smoked one cigarette. Do you, the, the effects of one cigarette even on your body, what would that even do? Nothing. Like in seven years, your, your cells have completely regenerated. My mother was never a smoker. She wouldn't lie. She wouldn't say, no, I never even smoked one cigarette. You know that that damn thing fell to her detriment with the policy? Like th- that's a value though. Her value is I am a completely 100% honest person. So here's what happens with your values. Like you, you have these values. But are they always serving you? Are they always serving you? I'll give you another another example in business. You know, there's this value when people are new in business. This is this is something that I have had to learn. People will say things, I got to do all this work for free. I got to do all this work for free. Oh, you guys don't even know how much work I've done for free in my life. Like I've done so much work for free because I was told I had to do work for free. I still hear people saying it. I got to do all this work for free and then maybe, maybe I can charge some money for the work that I'm doing. And I just want to know like where – where you got that value because a successful entrepreneur did not teach you that like you weren't taught that you weren't taught that you had to do all that work for free before you could maybe charge pennies before maybe someday far off on the horizon you can charge money for your services like a successful entrepreneur didn't teach you that you likely learned that value from somebody like you that's doing the work for free right now before they can come along to a point where they think okay they can charge more money that's a value that was taught to you and a value that was taught to you is just part of a story the story of you the story of you that was the value that you embody and it was the story of you and it was a learned value and it came from outside of you and there are values that are that I think you should hold in the highest regard like the value for other human life like yes you should hold that value like you should if if a value is that you should care about others' well-being? That's a, that's a great value. I don't think that people should compromise on those values, particularly if it's a life or death situation with somebody else. Like you should wear a fucking mask. That's a that's a that's a, a it's a human right to live, and you shouldn't be able. I don't think to be able to take that away. So I'm not talking about values that that affect other people's lives, where you are in the position, like you're not, you don't have the wherewithal to go and slam into someone with your car. I mean, I don't think that you should have the right to not, you know, to to be able to just go out and freely infect someone with COVID. That's a personal opinion. I'm not, I'm unwavering on it too. You know, I'm, I'm unwavering. If this, if this pisses anyone off, I really don't care. But I mean, that's a, that's a value I hold in the highest regard, which is that everybody has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a hundred percent. And I, I hold those values very dear. Everything else is kind of, made up like it's made up that you you know all of these things this productivity value of the American mindset of how I always have to be useful I always have to be productive I always have to be grinding like that's completely made up and that was taught to you by somebody that I should sacrifice my health my well-being my my safety the safety of others for the productivity act factor fuck off like no that's a value that was taught to you by someone that can be unlearned all the values that you have can be unlearned you know what is what does Tony Robbins say I mean Tony Robbins says that uh, values determine direction so if you've got values you know values are part of a story and if you have values that are in conflict with something that you want you need to resolve the values so if you're a kind of person that wants more peace in their life but you're a workaholic you have to resolve that value you have to be able to resolve it I know people in my life that are workaholics and they can't seem to find a break or a respite at all. And they can't. They sacrifice everything for it. They sacrifice their health for it. They sacrifice the ability to go places, go on vacation, do things they enjoy. They're workaholics. Where's that coming from? Where does that all all come from? I mean it it could come from the fact that you're using that to escape which a lot of people are and I I talked about this in in one of my emails uh, within the last week or two just uh, about this about how fortunate I was to have a tangible thing that I could pinpoint that I was using to escape. For me it was alcohol like I was using alcohol as a means of escape. I was using alcohol to escape from what I didn't want to face in my life. Not everybody is, not everybody is that lucky. There are people that are excessive vacationers and they can't, you know, they always want to be running away. They always want to be going somewhere. And then there's the workaholic. It's kind of the similar thing. So maybe that's it. But also there are people that just genuinely want to work hard and work on their craft and build something that they love. And there's nothing wrong with that if that brings you joy. But if it's conflicting with something else that you want, which is more peace, more quiet, more time, things like that. You got to resolve the value, another value that I had to resolve. I was taught because I grew up in a lower middle class background and I did a lot of work, like a lot of blue collar, what would you call it? Would you call it blue collar work? I guess you would. Particularly as a teenager, I was taught the value that, you know, hard work, hard work. But the idea of hard work was a different idea than Other people considered hard work. So the value of hard work was instilled into me and I am a hard worker. But the idea that you must trade your time for money was a value that I was raised with. And that was a value based on the people that were around me. Because remember that the people that are around you usually share your values because you surround yourself with other people that are like you. Now if you want to have more of something, if you want more abundance in a certain area, you sometimes need to embody new values to be able to get to that next step. And that next step is usually outside of everybody that you surround yourself with. And I actually struggle with this, guys. I'll be honest. Um, when I was a teenager, I, for a lot of reasons that are outside of this podcast, I wasn't home a lot. Um, I, it, it was not a place where I felt the safest or welcome. And I spent a lot of time in a variety of different establishments in town. I spent a lot of my nights um, with what I called an extended family of of people that I chose. And I picked that up really early on. That I chose people in my life that were family. There are a lot of different communities in our society that do this. You see this a lot in New York City, believe it or not. You see this a lot – in the LGBT community because of, you know, families that aren't accepting. It's very unfortunate. A lot of people do this in their lives. They create families of people that are around them. And it was very important to me to do that. And thus, I still do that to this day. I have a lot of people in my life that I consider family that are not biologically related to me and that I really cherish and care about. And they care about me. And it's very safe and it's very beautiful. And what we share is beautiful. Unfortunately, sometimes there are people that, that end up in those families that you've created for yourself and those people end up in in a, they're just not going in the same direction as you, but you cherish them very deeply. Like one of my values is that I really cherish the, those, those families that I've created, that extended family that has become so special to me in my life. And it's very hard and I have to resolve the fact that sometimes I have to distance myself from people that I don't, I don't want to distance myself from. Like I want to keep you near me. I want to keep you in my circle because you are part of the family. And there are sometimes physical places that you go. Sometimes it's, it's a job that's no longer serving you. Like sometimes it's a community that's no longer serving you. But there's a lot of times where those things are just no longer serving you. People are, are dragging you into a place where you don't want to go, but you are so wed to keeping those people around because of what they mean to you. And that's a value. It's a good value. It's a noble value. But where are you placing yourself within your values? Like are you placing yourself, are you putting yourself first? Because you can't be the best version of yourself for other people until you, until you put yourself first. That's just fact. You can't be the best in a relationship with someone else unless you put yourself First until you love yourself the most. Argue with me up and down about that, but it's true. If you're a person that can't, you know, can't love yourself, that's it's not gonna it's it's not gonna work out with anybody else. It's just not. Can't be the best for the people in your life if if you're all in a situation where you're struggling, you know, you can all struggle together, one of you can rise above and then help pull the others forward. So you have to put yourself first in all situations. You have to. It's part of life. It is a value that you stay in the struggle bus. With others. You know. And in, in, in the solidarity factor is a value. It is a value that you can change. The value can change to. Okay. I'm going to take myself. And I'm going to put myself in a situation. Where I can make myself better. So that I could help other people. And that ends up having to be a shift. So that's today guys values just thinking about your values recognizing what your values are and where they come from and realizing that not all the values that you have are things that are set in stone and that things that can't be changed some of the values come from places that are outside of you like the American value on productivity soldiering through like I am going to link to the article in the Atlantic because it was very well written I think that it brings up a, a very good point a problem that we should be focusing on in our society because we we do I mean we don't teach we don't teach and our, our children that it's okay to take a break, that a reset is good. Uh, I wrote another article, I can link to that as well, about how snow days when we were growing up taught children that a respite is good, that a recharge is good. A recharge is good. You know, that's that's a good thing. It might not be encompassed in American values. But it's proven to be a good thing. So taking a look at the values that you have and trying to see where they came from and are they serving you or are they working to your greatest and highest good? That is a really important question for you guys to ask yourselves. I really hope that some of you can and do start exploring that. Um, start exploring that after this podcast. As always it's really great to have you guys here. I love, I love our Mondays together guys. I really do. Up until next Monday, you guys can visit me on my website where all of my podcasts live, all of my blogs live. You guys can get on my email list there. I have a brand new 10 day email series. It's been out now. I guess it's not brand new, it's been out a week or two, but it's wonderful. It's called The Drunken Fat to Fit and Fierce in 10 Days Free Email Series. It's for you guys. I took a lot of information about how I went from being a very overweight, drunk, cigarette smoker, sedentary person and changed into the person that I am today. And I just took 10 days and I just hashed it out, put a ton of information in this for you guys. And it's available. You can find it on my website, getthefuckoff.com. So I hope that you guys will check it out. And uh, until next week, you guys take care, be safe. Visit me on my website. I will see you guys really, 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 really soon. Hope everybody is staying nice and warm in, through the rest of February, and we'll talk soon, guys. Take care.